you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Coming up next on Huddle and Flow. Uh, I think my mom has instilled uh, great principles into me where, you know, no matter what the circumstance is, um, you know, you always have to put out, you know, the best you. Um, and, that's, and that's what I do. Um, I, I think of this as adversity. Um but I mean, I think of my mom, like, bro, like we're losing football games here. Um, I know that this is my career, but, um, you know, for a woman, to, a single mom to work multiple jobs, I think that's that's what is tough. It's considered tough. That's next on Huddle and Flow. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Huddle and Flow podcast. I am Steve White here with my dude, Jim Trotter. What up, Mr. White? Hey, man, we had an interesting week, Jim, where we finished an NFL season, probably now going to the final quarter of the season with more questions than answers. AFC South is all tied up. NFC West is all tied up. Seahawks, we thought we were going to cruise in. They're slipping. Rams are coming up. 49ers. They're not going anywhere. So we're going to talk about some of these situations, Jim. But we're also going to talk about some of these teams that aren't doing so hot. I mean, this, the Jets debacle. You know, And on that note, too, I mean, Jim, there's always good players. We always hear about the level of talent in the NFL is razor thin on winning and losing teams. And we want to showcase Bengals safety Jesse Bates. He's going to join us today. Jesse Bates Listen. the third. Jesse Bates the third. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> Um, because he's a he's a fantastic young player who gets overshadowed by playing in a market and for a team that a lot of folks nationally don't think about. Yeah, you know, Steve, I, I um, first met Jesse last year through um, his business mentor Michael Lito, and was just so impressed with him as a person. 
you know, not even getting into, you know, his playing ability. But when you look at him statistically, he has been one of the top safeties. Um, and he's only in his third year. And even crazier than that, he's only 23 years old. So he's in line to um, to not only to, to continue to ascend, but also for a big payday soon. And the fact that he has changed agents and now gone with David Muguleta, who, as you know, and we've talked about on this show, brought in some record deals this past offseason when you talk about Buda Baker, you talk about Jalen Ramsey and even the money he got for Deshaun Watson. Um, I think one day in the next couple of years, you're going to hear Jesse Bates right in that conversation, too, of getting broken off real nice. Well, Jim, and I'm so glad we get to do this because, you know, we've had greats on Larry Fitzgerald, guys like Stephon Diggs, Demario Davis, just so many good players. Jerry Rice, the former player, Doug, Doug Williams. But to be able to have an ascending player on it to, I won't say introduce him to the public because he's already done that, but to just kind of give a little bit more bandwidth and let the people know about some of the good players and good people um, it, it, affiliated with the That's the key, Steve. Absolutely. I think that's the key, what you just said at the end there, good people. Um, you like to highlight those folks. And this is a guy who, what I really respect about him is that his re- his love and his recognition of his mother and the role that she has played in his life and his work ethic and how he learned it from her and and how she would work two jobs just so they could have Christmas gifts, just so that he could go with these touring teams and whatnot. And, you know, you can tell he's one of those guys who's never going to forget where he came from. In fact, he's now in, what, his third year in the NFL, and he finally bought himself a new car. It took that long. He's not into the show and the glitz. You know, he truly is sort of a salt-of-the-earth guy um, coming out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, same high school as Rod Woodson. So for me, um, I agree with what you said. I mean, those are guys you want to highlight, guys who are great players and great people as well. What we do here on the Huddle and Flow, we talk about people, we talk about what they do, and we also talk a little bit of NFL. And on that note, Jim, let's let's kind of look at what happened this past weekend, and let's start with the New York Jets and Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, we're you know we we know there's a lot of things at the top, but this was the crazy play of the weekend. So here are the Raiders who don't really play a great game a week after coming off of getting smoked by the Falcons. They're losing to the Jets for a lot of this game. Like, what's going on with them? And, of course, looking at social media, everyone's just like, oh, man, the Jets are going to blow the number one pick. And then defensive coordinator Greg Williams calls the zero blitz, sends everybody and their mothers, leaves a rookie corner out there on a stud rookie wide receiver who gets beat on a double move. Derek Carr completes a touchdown pass. Uh, Jets continue to go winless. Raiders stay in playoff contention. But, Jim, this is just one of these things. And it's crazy because all this talk about the Jets tanking in this net, those players played their asses off that game. I mean, and go ahead and expand on that. No, they gave it up without question. And and for Greg Williams, who was fired uh, Monday, in large part, I'm sure, because of that call, which was just inexcusable, you had two rookies out there at corner, including one who was undrafted. And you're going to leave him in man coverage on a guy who runs a 427, knowing that they need 40 plus yards, whatever, um, for the winning touchdown. And if you stop them, the game's pretty much over at that point uh, on that one play. It, I was watching the game, Steve. I was livid, you know? Um, 
and and it's not anything against the Raiders or anything like that. But having covered a team that once started 0-11 um, with this uh, then San Diego Chargers, again, it's easy to make fun of these teams, and I'm as guilty as anyone. But I remember that locker room and what it meant to these guys um, to try and get a win and 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 to not have that asterisk, you know, next to their names and to go down in infamy. So for Greg Williams to 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 put that corner out there like that um, and to expose him like that was just inexcusable. It was undeserved, but it was typical Greg Williams. As I read somewhere someone said, look, if this is the last play call he ever makes in the NFL, that's the play call he would want. Being aggressive, um, cover zero in a situation where it wasn't warranted. And it's unfortunate because you're right. The Jets played their they played their asses off, man. They played, they gave it all up. And and that should have been their game. Yeah, look, players and coaches do not tank. Players no. are playing to win. They're playing because they love the game. They're playing for their next contracts. They're playing for their livelihoods. Coaches are coaching for their livelihoods, their reputations. Steve, I'm going to say this. They don't tank, but I remember when that San Diego Chargers team finally won a game, its 12th game. After that, they were on vacation. The rest oh, yeah. Of the- yeah, some guys aren't going to be fully focused, but when you're on that field, man, I mean, you can blow out a knee or something anytime. Yeah. We're, let's let's talk about some of these other teams that felt it a little bit. Um, you talked about the Chargers, man. An NFL team getting beat forty-five to nothing, Jim. That's that's youth league, right? You don't. If you're going to give up forty-five, you're going to score fourteen. Garbage time, right? That was one of the most atrocious looking games, and I and I hate it because I love Anthony Lynn, the head coach. They're going to keep him through the season. But to me, it's going to be hard. We've talked about it for hard for them, you know, even if they win some ball games. Um, but the special teams, man, I was watching some replays of that game, and the returns were great by Gunnar Olshovsky. But Matt Slater, we know he's a great special teams player, but man, he looked like the best player to ever put on a pair of cleats, some of the blocks and things he was doing. And it's just, you know, when I when I look at the Chargers, they're trying to get a footprint here in Los Angeles, and this is not what they wanted to. I mean, that was as bad of an effort as, as I have seen. You know, um, I'm with you. I love Anthony Lenny, such a good man, and um, and he knows football. But as he said after that game, it was unacceptable, it was inexcusable, and it was flat out embarrassing, to be frank. And one of the issues where um, you have to take note is special teams have been an issue for them all season to the point that a couple of weeks ago he reassigned his, his special teams coach and he got more involved. And what happened after that? The special teams have continued to get worse since then, bottoming out. Let's hope they bottomed out Sunday against the Patriots. So the thing that stood out to me was that the day after on Monday, when the team made players available, when Joey Bosa had his press conference, Steve, you could feel his pain. Um, and for a player, there is nothing worse, really, than hopelessness. And you almost got a sense of that in his voice as he kept saying, I don't have the answers right now. But when you get beat 45 to nothing, there are a lot of problems. You know, so 
I was I was sitting there and I said, what's the one word would that would describe what I'm hearing from him? And I couldn't really pick one because his emotions seemed to alternate. He was somber. He was disappointed. He was optimistic. Then he was uncertain. He was he was frustrated. There were all these different things. But when he said, I'm going to continue to play about I'm going to continue to play hard. I don't know about everyone else. Nope. And second, you hear that. That means that means, you know, there's there's some guys in the locker room. We just talked about. They've already made, made vacation plans. They're talking about what they're going to do when this COVID vaccine becomes widespread and they can get out in public. Um, and that's, and that's you know, that's the horrible part about it. And that's – I just – I hate hearing that. We know it goes on um, in, in a lot of locker rooms where things aren't going good. Um, and that's one of the things, you know, we're going to talk to Jesse Bates about because Jesse, Cincinnati Bengals, they fall to 2-9-1. and one. Um, I think they're positioned for the third overall draft pick after picking first. Um, and so it's, you know, again, you see these guys, they go out there, they train, they do all their stuff, and then, boom, the, the, the bottom falls out. So this is where you see who's a professional and who's not. And, Jim, talking about that Bengals-Dolphins game, on the flip, let's go to Miami. They start to a slow first half, gets it going in the second half, then we've got the little melee of sorts. And a lot has been made positively about Brian Flores coming out on the field, ready to throw some dukes because he thought it was a cheap shot on his punt returner, which it was. And you hear the a lot of players one. saying, yeah, the second one. And you hear a lot of the players saying, he's got our back. He's practicing what he preaches. What do you, I mean, when, because a lot of times people be you know criticizing a coach for doing that. What's he doing on the field? Let his players handle it. Let the officials handle it. But what about the reaction to Brian Flores stepping out there for his guys? Well, I think two things, Steve. I think number one, he nailed it um, afterwards, where he said he's got to be under more control. Um, that his players have to be under more control. But he said these players are like his kids, and you protect your kids. And so when you see one of your own get hurt on a cheap shot. And it wasn't the first one. It was the second time in that game that his returner had been hit before the ball arrived. You could end someone's career that way. And so emotion simply took over. So he said, he's got to control his emotion, but he explained why he did what he did. And, you know, he said he wasn't trying to make a point that we have to have each other's back, even though they talk about that for him, it was simply the, the emotion taking over in that moment, but no question, man, um, he had every right to be upset, and when you see your head coach do something like that um, and he has your back in that way, there's no question he earned points with his players. And that's a that's a close-knit team. You can tell, and Brian Flores and Chris Greer, they appear to be building something down in Miami that I think, um, and I hope, I'll, I'll say that, and I hope that's going to be successful for a long time. Yeah, let's not forget his returner, Jakeem Grant. Arguably, he's the best punt return man in the NFL. Also, not to forget, Brian Flores is from the BK, bro. He's about it, right? So, so be be careful with landmines. You, you know, you're you're planting in front of you. Yeah, Zach Taylor, you don't want any of that. No, absolutely you know, not. Let's just be no. real here. You don't want any of that, Zach Taylor. So, Jim, I, I want to get you on this because this is what this this. Let's take it to the NFC East and the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh. This quarterback situation 
to me, has got – I mean, we've seen a lot of quarterback controversies. We've seen a lot. But this has got a potential <laughs> franchise – I won't say ruining, but, I mean, this this you talk about setbacks. This could blow this some stuff up that Super Bowl for the next five years because Carson Wentz has not played well. It is very clear he's, his confidence is in the toilet. His offensive line – there's nobody there that you recognize because they're all injured. His receivers can't get open. They are a disaster. So now they go out. Not only do they draft Jalen Hurts, they play Jalen Hurts. Doug Peterson saying he doesn't know who he's going to start. You got a quarterback who's what $124 million contract, most of it guaranteed. And we're here, like what, a year and a half after signing that extension? Jim, what are they going to do? Because they're a bad football team. Doug Peterson could be coaching for his existence. Howie Roseman, the general manager, could be on the green mile because of this type of decision. Steve, I can't tell you what they're going to do, but I can tell you what they're not going to do, and they are not going to get rid of Carson Wentz. They can't. Exactly. Because the, the salary cap hit would be so exorbitant. We're talking about what sixty million next year. Sixty million bucks. With if a cap that potentially team. could decline to one hundred and seventy-five mil. Think about that. So he's not going anywhere. We know that. Um, the question they have to ask now is, what happens if they make the change and they go to Jalen Hurts, and what does that do to Carson Wentz? Because again, they're still in the hunt for a playoff berth in that division, um, even at three, eight, and one. So if you make the change, if it's all about winning, in my opinion, you have to make the change. Right. Because Carson Wentz is shot, at least for this year. The question is, can you get him back to where he was a couple of years ago where there was talk of him being a potential league MVP? And I don't know. I just question whether or not – and I, look, we're going to question whether or not coaching has a lot to do with his regression – but I think it goes deeper than that. I think it's a whole organizational um, issue. When you talk about not surrounding him with receivers a year ago, this year the line being beat up, not having people up front uh, who can protect. We are always quick to jump on one player, and I'm not trying to defend Carson Wentz at all. His play has been terrible, and he deserves to be benched. But I think when you talk about franchise quarterbacks, there's so much that goes into it. And I think the Eagles have done a terrible job in terms of building around him. And unfortunately, he appears to be psychologically fragile right now, as I see it. But here's here's the one thing. I hear everyone just kind of killing, like, you know, they, they've done a terrible job. Okay, so they sign, was it Brandon Brooks? I forget, the guard. He's, one of the, he's, he's arguably the best guard in the NFL. They sign him to an extension. He gets hurt, right? They draft a left tackle. He's a good player, and Andre Dillard. He gets hurt. Lane Johnson, he has stayed hurt. So, you know, and they draft Jalen Rager this year, the wide receiver out of TCU. He's a baller. So I but the problem, it, Steve, no, the problem is when you watch them on tape, they don't appear to be well coached. When you watch that offensive line, you see breakdowns in there that it's not necessarily just about ability, but it's also about preparation. And that's why I say it's not. It's not there's not one answer to this question. To me, it's an organizational thing. Um, there have been bad personnel moves. There have been there has been some bad coaching, in my opinion, as well. 
and there's been bad play execution as well. So I don't think it's one thing. I think it sometimes we fall into that trap. But yes, there have been injuries, but we've seen other teams that have had injuries, and those teams have still managed to function. This offense simply does not excuse me, function. The one drive that it had, you know, was Jalen Hurts coming in and they actually look like a football team, like an offense for a moment. So I think the I think Jalen has deserved or earned an opportunity to start. I don't know if it's so much that he's earned it or that Carson Wentz has earned a spot on the bench at this point with his play. I think it's more the latter. And you talk yeah. to any player on a team, they know who the better the two is and and what needs to happen. There's a whole lot of culpability right here. Well, Jim, um, I want to go ahead and get to our special guest because again, you know, a lot of there's a lot of good players on teams that I do not have winning records. And Jesse Bates, look at the numbers, look at the production, just don't look at the record. All right, let's bring in Jesse Bates, the third. All right, Jim, we are now joined by our special guest, Cincinnati Bengals safety, Jesse Bates. Wait, wait, wait. Hold up, Steve. <laughs> you, you got you to have the third in there. Jesse Bates, oh. the third, right? Oh, but he, so here's, this, right? Yeah, but this is what I'm curious about. Jesse makes a point of using the third, but, you know, he's not the only third on this podcast today. Who, who else is the third? Right here, bro. <laughs> no, right oh, here. Oh, simpatico on the third. But, but wait, but hold up. Right there, Joe. But I'm going to say this. Jesse's mom got it right. My parents on my birth certificate actually put James Trotter Jr. the third. Wow. Oh, you got to hang on to that. You got to you got to hang on to those <laughs> four, the four, the four names. Bro. <laughs> Jesse, try explaining try explaining that to people how you can be a junior and a third. Mm-hmm. I've had to deal with that my entire life. So at least Jesse got it right. He just got to deal with the third. <laughs> For sure. Jesse, anytime you introduce him, you know, oh yes, I'm talking to Jim Trotter, Junior the Third. You have to let the world know that's how he gets down. That's the official. Hey, I learn something new every day. I'll tell you that. <laughs> But Jesse, thank you so much for joining us here. You know, and on this podcast, we talk a lot of sports. We talk a lot of stuff going on in society, and just you know, introducing people to our to our guest. And you know, you are, are an up and coming star um, in this league. Your numbers are are insane. Your production um, is insane. And you know, let's kind of get to the immediate thing first. Though you guys are coming off of a tough loss um, against the Dolphins, kind of a crazy game. Um, so what what about, you know, the way you guys performed in that game? Because as usual, you guys were in it. I mean, there were so many opportunities for you guys to win this ball game, and then things just got away a little bit. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's, it's kind of tough over here right now. Uh, we don't have the number one pick um, in Joe Burrow, um, and I've talked very highly of him uh, throughout this whole year um, just because of what he brings to our team and what he means to our team. Uh, so anytime, you know, you lose your starting quarterback and, you know, one of the you know, significant leaders on the team uh, is very tough. But uh, that's when, you know, guys like me, it creates opportunities for guys like me to step up um, and, and become the voice of this team and, you know, try to grab grab this team by the horns and, you know, get us some momentum uh, moving in the right direction. You know, Jesse, for someone, um, for folks who don't know how competitive you are, to be in Cincinnati, and, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, 
But to be in an organization now that I think has, what, 10 wins during your two-plus seasons, Mm -hmm. for us on the outside, how tough is that for a competitor to deal with? Yeah, it's very tough um, because it's something that you have to answer uh, all the time. It's not something that you're only answering uh, here at home, you know, where you can be honest um, and what's really going on and why we're struggling. Um, And then going to the media, uh, you kind of have to put – like the mask on, I guess, um, and say all the right things that everyone wants to hear. Um, but I, I think that's where you don't grow uh, if you if you don't um, bring up those tough conversations, whether that's in the media, in the locker room, whatever it is. Um, it's just something that has to be talked about because um, it, has to, it has to change at some point. But the, one of the things I respect about you, though, is that you don't let that impact your play. And so, for instance, you know, for folks who don't know, because obviously the Bengals don't get a lot of airtime. I mean, you truly are one of the top young safeties in this game. And you go back and you look at it according to to pro football focus and in doing some research coming into this past Sunday, you had allowed only a 44.7 passer rating in coverage this season, which was the lowest in the NFL among people who had been targeted at least a minimum of 25 times. And so for you, I wonder how much is your drive not to let the wins and losses affect what you do on the field? Um, I think, you know, even though I'm still one of the youngest guys on the team still, um, I think I do have a lot of influence in the locker room. I think I do, um, you know, step up to the, to the plate when, you know, things aren't going well uh, and when we need an answer as a team. So, I don't know. It's just something, like I said, that's built in me. Uh, I think my mom has instilled uh, great principles into me where, you know, no matter what the circumstance is, um, you know, you always have to put out, you know, the best you. Um, and that's and that's what I do. Um, I, I think of this as adversity. Um, but, I mean, I think of my mom, like, bro, like, we're losing football games here. Um, I know that this is my career, but um, – you know, for a woman, a single mom to work multiple jobs, I think that's that's what is tough. It's considered tough. Um, so, yeah, that's that's just how I feel about that situation. Um, I'll never back down to a challenge ever. Um, and that's just what's instilled in me. Okay, so we're going to get to some of the things that you do with your, your single mother's uh, foundation initiative, initiative and, and talk about your, your family a little bit. But, you know, we, we talk about recognition. And one of the things I thought that was cool going into this game against the Dolphins was game-recognizing game. And that's Dolphins head coach Brian Flores. I mean, he could not have spoken more highly about you, you know, watching you on film and seeing how you play. And you were kind of like, hey, that that's kind of great that he says it. What is it like when you know that the real football people understand what's going on and they see how effective and how good of a player you are? Uh, when you're hearing positive things from, uh, you know, head coaches, um, guys that had success in this league and been in this league for a long time. Uh, it's pretty cool, honestly. Um, you know, especially coming from, you know, a black head coach, which we don't have uh, in the NFL. It's not it's not normal, honestly. Um, and what he's stand for these past couple months and stuff like that is just um, – that's a whole other conversation, but I, I support everything he stands for. And uh, I walked up to him after this – after the, I mean, before the game um, and, and told him, hey, I appreciate you. Uh, kind of give me that love um, in the interview, and I support everything you do, man. Uh, so that was a pretty cool conversation because um, you don't get to talk to head coaches every day. 
uh, besides yours. You know what, Jesse, that's interesting what you just said about um, the lack of diversity among head coaches in the NFL. We talk, Steve and I talk about it a lot on this podcast mm -hmm. in terms of trying to get opportunities and bring awareness to those who are out there. I'm curious from a player standpoint, how much do players, black players, talk about the lack of diversity either at head coach or GM? Yeah, I think I think it's always a conversation uh, that's not really brought up, uh, but it's it is talked within players, uh, within the locker room. Um, but I think there's not enough head coaches, but there are, you know, some young coaches that are always position coaches and systems. Um, I'm sure that you guys see that there's always, you know, a defensive coordinator. I think we're, we're closing that gap slowly for sure. Um, because I mean, there, there are a ton of black coaches that are up and coming, uh, whether that's offense coordinator, position coaches, whatever that is. Um, I think we're moving in the right direction in that area. Well, what are the, I'm curious from your standpoint, what are the traits of a good head coach mm -hmm. from a player standpoint? Yeah, I think the first thing is just being able to be a leader of men, um, someone that can have control, um, someone that when they're, when they're talking, you know, they have all the eyes and all the ears in the room. So, like I said, I just think the one of the biggest qualities would be just being a leader of men, um, not even a, about football. It's just have to, you have to have control and trust over a team and, you know, the group of men that are in the locker room. So when so you hear owners talk about we're looking for the next hot, young offensive mind, <laughs> as players, do you guys just shake your head and, like, that's really so irrelevant in the in the in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it's it's just something that you have to look in way more deeper than um, whether who they've been under or anything like that. It's more about who they are as a person. I think I think the head coach is the head coach, and he makes all the decisions. And you know, the guys under him are the guys that continue to you know throw things at him, ideas and stuff like that. Uh, as far as football, but the head coaches they make they make the decisions. Well, on that note, I mean, your head coach, I mean, he was somebody who was young, um, had not been a coordinator right. in the NFL. Something, two things that are often held against candidates of color. Um, but, you know, what about Zach Taylor, the way he's maybe grown, you know, in the, in the year and a half, two years he's been there, and, and how was he as a leader of men? Yes. Uh, so this is my first year um, being able to – this is his second year into it. Uh, and this is my first year having more conversations with uh, Coach Taylor. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's because um, I've grown my my role as a player on this team and I'm more of a leader on this team. Uh, but this year um, is the first year I've been able to kind of have conversations and see where Coach Taylor is thinking um, instead of just having that disconnect as to where it's just a player and a coach is only talking during meetings and stuff like that. So, um He's continued to challenge me uh, as a player to step up because I am not the rah, rah, rah guy all the time, but I can be. Um, and that's something that I've focused on this year. Um, but yeah, Coach Taylor knows he's not perfect. Um, this is his first head coaching job. Uh, I mean, some of the you know position coaches and stuff, they're, they're older than Coach Taylor. So um, I think he's still figuring it out just as well. Um, and that's no bash on Coach Taylor or anything like that. That's just how how it is, um, something new in life. You know, Jesse, one of the things about you is that you always bring sort of an analytical approach to whatever it may be. Mm 
And for instance, I found it really interesting, the reason why, you know, you left college early um, in terms of not just looking at, I want to play in the NFL, but understanding how many bites at the apple you can get at a young age, that sort of thing. Um, and I bring that up to say, you made another change this off season. You went out and got one of the top agents in the business. And now he's only dealing with guys who are at the top of their game and getting folks paid. So take me through that process about how all this went down and what your, your thought process was. Yeah. Um, my first two years, you know, coming out of college, um, my main thing was just focusing on someone that was loyal to me. Um, I knew I wasn't the hottest thing out uh, coming out. So, um, you know, Chris Coy uh, was the first guy I ever talked to as far as the agent. Um, and no one, none, I didn't really have the recruiting process uh, that people usually have uh, because a lot of people didn't know I was coming out. So, um, you know, my mindset was just to focus on a, you know, a really smart, um, loyal, family-oriented uh, black agent. Um, and Chris Coy fitted all those areas. Um, something I didn't know, uh, just going into the league, it was just the business side, honestly. Um, I just thought of just relationships uh, because that's all I've known my whole life. Playing football was surround yourself with good people. Um, and Chris is an awesome person. It's nothing against him, uh, but cutting those ties were very tough. Um, but, you know, as I look on the business side, um, I went to go hire one of the best agents in the game um, and also one of the great – I mean, he's a really great person as well. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I put myself in a position where, you know, um, I surrounded myself with the best. Now we, we that agent, that, real name. quick, Jim. Yeah, that was it. The agent is not going to go nameless any longer. <laughs> David yeah. Mulligetta, yes. um, who, yes. who got Buddha Baker done, who got Jalen Ramsey done, who got Deshaun Washington. Deshaun I, think Watson. Got, I think he got five contracts done this offseason where the players were the highest paid players at their respective positions. So that doesn't you see, hurt. You rest. see Jesse smiling now, you know? <laughs> you see him smiling because next next offseason is the first time you are eligible to even talk extension. So if the Bengals look, are I mean, smart, they, they'll get you locked up. But, Jim, on, on these, you know, when you, when you look at Jesse's numbers, I mean, this is why I'm so glad we're having him on is, I mean, he, you're a tackling machine, 100 tackles last year, 111 the year before. You got 88 already this year, at least three interceptions in every season. I mean – you're like one of those baseball players who's ringing up numbers in every statistical category. Now you're talking about the leadership aspect of it. I mean, you you came into this league killing. I mean, so what is it like now? Where have you seen your game improve since you came in and you set the bar, hard, the bar high out of the gate? Yeah. Uh, when I first came out, it was just me out there playing football. Uh, they didn't really give me a lot of responsibility uh, my first year. I was just go out there and play middle of the field. Uh, play man-to-man -man every once in a while, quarters, um, just basic stuff that I've done my whole life. Um, but now it's just like the preparation that I that I put in throughout the week uh, is night and day compared to my first first and second year, honestly. Um, just the way I practice, uh, the way I prepare myself before practice, uh, after practice is just completely different. Um, so I think that's what has shown more this year. You know, Jesse, something I was curious about when you talk about film study, I think for young players out there, a lot of times it takes them a while to figure out exactly how to watch film. And sometimes you get caught up in just trying to watch yourself and see what you're doing. 
Can you explain what exactly goes into film study in terms of making you the best that you can be on Sundays? Yeah, it's just breaking breaking it down. Breaking down the film uh, is something that I take pride in. Uh, a lot of guys watch film and they just turn on a game against another team. Uh, but you got to break it down. You can't just watch the film and just go through the whole game and not know the situation, uh, the way the game's going and stuff like that. So uh, just diving into it a little bit more deeper, um, doing your due diligence and stuff like that. As far as what I do throughout the week, I, I try to do first and second down uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays and then go third, third down in the red zone. Um, on that Thursday, Friday, people don't know you. You're only 25, and I'm, I'm 23, Jim. 23, 23. Yeah, Jim man. put two on you. He's 23. Yeah, why, how did I put two on you? Yeah, I'm 23, Jim. <laughs> Younger than my two daughters. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So, well, so, look, so my apologies for that. <laughs> but what what I want to ask you is that you came into the league as a young man, mm -hmm. um, we all have expectations once, or, or you would think you'd have expectations of what certain players are when you get in the league. I'm curious as to once you lined up against certain folk where you said, Oh, he's everything I thought he was, or maybe he's not quite what I thought he was. Who really got your attention? Um, I would have to say Julio Jones. I mean, uh, what we did in that game plan when we played against them, uh, double teaming them and stuff like that. I think he still went off for 100. Um, it's just something that you don't see every day. Uh, a dude at his, the way he's built, the way he runs and stuff like that. Um, it's probably one of the, you know, the best receivers in the game, obviously. Uh, so that was, that was a big eye opener when we played him uh, my rookie year. You you talk about Julio, but what guy maybe besides him, besides just the, the gifted setter, whatever, just competes, who just gives it up no matter what, where you're just like, man, I respect that dude because he's always coming with it. Um, so yeah, I would I would say Buddha Baker, the way he just flies around. Um and and it, it just shows all the stuff that goes into it throughout the week that people don't see why he plays so fast. Um I'm sure Buddha, I haven't met Buddha. Um, but I'm sure he's a very smart, smart dude. And, you know, people on Sundays, they're just like, this dude just runs so fast. Like, nah, like he's, he's seeing the right stuff and he's, and he's attacking it in the right way. He's, he's part of your family now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. With David. Yo. So, I'm we sure you guys are going to have conversations for sure. going forward. For sure. This is one of the young guys who is, um, I have so much respect for because he's, he got his head on right. Um, he's honest, he's hardworking. And the one thing that I respect most about Jesse among many things is his love and his respect for his mother. You know, um, yeah. When, when, you know, he calls her his best friend. And when you came up with this, if for people who don't know the single mother's initiative where you wanted to give recognition and, um, to moms out there who are holding it down on their own and whatnot. Um, tell me how that came about, because what you did last year is you you went to the local Boys and Girls Club, you found a few families and you took them out, not only to a game, to dinner, you spent time with them, all of that. Tell me how it all came about. Yeah, um, you know, um, as I, you know, going to the league, 
Um, I just try to think of something that I'm very passionate about off the field. Um, you know, when I was thinking about that, I just thought about, you know, how can I make an impact with my mom? Uh, because she sacrificed so much, you know, for me and my siblings um, to do what we do today. Uh, and like I said, that's something that people don't see. Uh, the way my mom is, she she's not the one that's going to be all on the camera like, hey, I raised this guy right here. Uh, she is very humble um, and behind the scenes type of type of woman. So, um, you know, I get emotional just talking about it because, you know, people talk about hard work and stuff like that. Um, and when when it comes to my mom and I, I've seen what she's done as a single mother, um, it just it, it just puts me in a different spot, um, put me in a different place mentally. Um, so, yeah, it's just something that I've, I've been, been very passionate about um, and being able to make an impact with my mom um, is something that I'm going to continue to grow on and, um, you know, help out single mothers and make their life a little bit more easier. It's funny that you bring that up because, you know, a lot of times um, people tend to not spend time um, when, when they're doing, you know, things. I know I know we are busy as athletes, but um, when you when you involve the time and you and you sit down and actually have dinner uh, with the single mothers and the, and the little kids and stuff like that, I think that's where you really change people's lives um, instead of, you know, just handing out money. Time is the most valuable commodity we have. You know, folks don't don't a lot of folks don't realize that or, or accept that. But I always say my time is more valuable than than my money. You know, Absolutely. so no props to you for that. And and by the way, I got I got to say, Mom, here's another connection, Steve. Here, um, the surname Teresa Trotter. Teresa Trotter. Yeah. See, see, Wait. yeah, yeah. Hold up. Yeah. Hold up. Yeah. Related? I don't know. Not, uh, my mom not to my married. Yeah, she got married. Um, my first getting drafted. So three years ago. See, so, we, so we, got, we got these little connections going on here. I see. Yeah, you guys are talking. I got But but Jesse, I mean, this is interesting because you know I was raised by my mother. My father was in my life, but I was raised by my mother. Mm -hmm. But so many times, especially when it comes to black men, people talk about single mothers as almost as if it's a stigma. Right. And I think you and I, it sounds like we both say, no, no, no. It was a blessing. And you, and you talk about how your mother put so much on her shoulders and things like this. So with your foundation, what other things maybe are you going to try to do to, to, to branch out to enhance yeah. the single mothers? Um, as far as right now, I've I've had the single mothers initiative um, where, you know, I, actually I reached out to the Boys and Girls Club. Um, you know, I try to reach out to four or five. Um, single mothers because obviously I'm not going to be able to help out every single mother right um, but for me to have an impact in the you know the community that I'm in uh, I think that's that's where we were going um as I continue to play well and stuff like that I think that grows um in, in many ways um but I do have a team um that I'm very comfortable with that'll help me out um as far as what we want to do with that so but it's, it's just a conversation that's ongoing, um, a conversation I need to have with my mom to see uh, what what single mothers struggle with um, and what do we need to focus on uh, moving forward. Awesome. Steve, when he when he talks about his team, he's got a strong team around him, led primarily by um, his business mentor, Michael Lito, who's from Fort Wayne, yep. just as Jesse is. And he's been there with him every step of the way and looks out for him among other players. So um, 
he you're, you're in good hands man that's the one thing i know about you right now the folks you have surrounded yourself with one you keep your circle small and two the folks who are around you are about that business and um i think when you put them with you there is no ceiling so mm -hmm. going forward for sure i appreciate that joe yeah jesse earlier you mentioned your quarterback joe joey burrow and, and just how good he is just from watching him um what were, what were you like? Okay, we're we're good with this guy because from afar we see him. We're like, man, he's he is the real deal. Yeah, uh, something that like you guys don't see. Uh, it's just that the kind of his this, his swagger that he walks around with. Um, you kind of feel his presence when he walks in the room. Uh, it's hard to explain those type of guys. Uh, I'm, there's multiple players like that, like Larry. Um, Whereas it's, it's hard to explain. It's, it's just they have that it factor. Um, they're great people. They come from a very good foundation. Um, and I think that's what Joey is. Uh, he comes from a very good, you know, family. Um, you know, he has humble beginnings. Uh, he's been there before. Um, and he has that factor to kind of lead, lead who we want to be. Well, I, I want to transition real quick to something that's not easy going. And that's what happened in that game yesterday, man. <laughs> hey, hey. It ain't often we see head coaches out on the going after each other or look or one appearing to go after the other and then both sidelines look like they're ready to go after each yeah. other. You're out there in the middle of it. What's <laughs> going on and what are you thinking? Yeah, uh, my boy Sean Williams was on the ground. He, you know, he got blindsided, I think, uh, during that play. You know, I'm just, you know, looking, checking him out and I see coach come over there yelling, uh, protecting his player. Um, and next thing you know, there's punches being thrown. Um, and my, my main thing was, hey, you know, protect the team. Uh, don't do anything crazy. But also don't 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 get snuck out here. You got to get your head <laughs> on the tool. So uh, being able to like, look around a little bit, making sure nobody's coming up on me, uh, grabbing Sean. Um, you know, it, it's something that's part of the game. Uh, it doesn't happen often, and it, and it sucks when it happens. Uh, but you're talking about grown men going at it. In a football game hitting each other uh there's going to be some type of emotions involved at some point um and unfortunately it happened to us uh this sunday well i just saw that our tom pelicero's reporting that that um sean williams uh has been suspended for one game wow and the titans defensive end uh tier tart has been suspended one game each for stepping on opponents in sunday's games Ooh. I'm gonna have to. Hit up, I gotta hit up Sean for sure now. I'm gonna text yeah. him and call him right when we get off the phone. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, we didn't either. It just it just came out. It just <laughs> oh, okay. was reported. So we're Is all it learning it. Appeal, Jim? Can you appeal? Huh? Can you appeal that? Oh yeah, you can appeal. Yeah, but yeah, I wouldn't sure be too confident it. that that of winning it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, you know, since you were since, since we're talking about that game a little bit, and you talk about your your rookie quarterback Joe Burrow. You faced Tua. Um, what did you see in him? Yeah, um, they, they put they're putting him in a really good position uh, to be successful. Um, what they're doing in that offense uh, for him to see formations, uh, see what we're in. I think everything that they do pre snap is uh, something that's going to continue to you know help him out uh, as he continues to grow. There's going to be times where he, he may be confused out there a little bit or he makes a bad decision, but um, that's a dude who's played in a lot of really, you know, big games, uh, national championship games. 
um, and a dude that's been there before and had a lot of success. So, uh, like I said, coaches are doing a really good job of putting him in position, you know, as far as the empty formations that, that they get into and uh, the high lows that they do, um, you know, in, in zone coverages. So, uh, I thought you had one against him when you yeah, came off. I, I wasn't going to bring that one up, Jim, but. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you had it, man. Yeah, yeah. It's rough one, man. Rough. <laughs> That's all right. Jesse, I know, look, I know you're busy. I wanted to ask you um, to bring it full circle. What would it mean for you to be able to help the Bengals turn around this franchise and to get back on the winning tracks and to become relevant again? Yeah, um, it's it's different because, you know, growing up, um, being a pretty good athlete, you kind of always been on a winning team. Um, you know, going to Wake Forest was a little different. We weren't very good. Um, but being a part of something like that is very special um, if you turn it around. And it can get ugly if you don't. Uh, and I've experienced it at Wake Forest where they were, I think, three and six, three and six. And then, you know, my first year playing, I think we go we go to a bowl game. We're like eight and five or whatever it is, uh, which is a big deal at Wake Forest. It, it may not be the big deal somewhere else, but you got to start somewhere as far as when you're building a program. I'm going to be here for a long time. Um, and when you have not not to, you know, be cocky or anything, when you have guys like me that are passionate about, you know, winning um, and we get more guys like that in the locker room, I think I think it comes. Um, and when it comes, you know, when a city hasn't won a lot of games and they win, it, it goes crazy. Um, it, it, the whole atmosphere, everything just continues to snow. It's a snowball effect. Um, and that's my mindset. That's going to be my mindset forever that I'm here. Um, I'll never have a negative thing to say um, about the Bengals as long as I'm here. Um, you know, I, I'm a part of the Bengals, and, and I, I, I want to show everybody that we can you know, have some success because we do have some ballers on our team. Jim, how great is it to hear that? You know, somebody who wants to be part of the development and the bounce back and understanding that if you – if you make it happen, it's a very special thing, man. Jesse, that's that's that's, that's awesome to hear, man. Yeah, it, it's not it's not uh, a lot of people aren't built for it, man. It's it's not easy. Right. Uh, I'm not gonna downplay it at all. It's not easy uh, to just put so much time and you know sacrifice into you know a football game and not have success as a team. It, it's it's not built for a lot of people, and those and those guys will weed themselves out. But, you know, it, it's, it's good to hear you say that because I think sometimes on the from the outside, particularly mm -hmm. in terms of the media, it's easy for us to make fun of teams yep. Yep. that are going through it. And I think sometimes I, I won't speak for anyone else. I'll speak for myself. But I think there are those moments where I forget that there are human beings behind that that face mask. Yep. And it's more than just a game to them. Yep. And so when you speak about it that way, it brings it back you know, in terms of providing perspective for me that, hey, take a deep breath next time before you decide to make that joke yeah. about a club being <laughs> winless all year, you know? Yeah. So I mean, it's yeah. part of it, though. I mean, you got to talk about the teams that aren't, that aren't playing very well. Um, hopefully that brings some type of fire um, underneath them. Um, but, yeah, I, I just want to talk about just it's not easy. Uh, a lot of, you know, it's easy to say in the media, just like, hey, just keep believing um stay positive and stuff like that it's it's not pretty um at all uh when you're going through things like this but uh that's when you know when you have success someday 
uh, you look back on those days and you just smile um, and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm happy I've been through that. Uh, whether that I'm here with the Bengals or I'm here uh, with another team later on in my career, uh, it's just something that I'm going to learn from, you know, and use it to my life. All right. Well, Jesse, man, we appreciate you taking the time. Um, everything you're doing with the Single Mothers Initiative, keep on doing your thing. Um, and I'll let you say goodbye to Jim Trotter, Jr. the third. <laughs> James. <laughs> James Trotter, Junior the third. Come on now, Junior the third. No, I can't. I appreciate I, you guys seriously. Thank you for appreciate you, Jesse. Um, on the podcast, um, I really appreciate. It. Well, Steve, look for me that was enjoyable because again we've had on some of the well-known stars in the NFL, past and present. And to be able to bring on young up-and-comers who are not just good players, but good people, um, I've always find that to be enjoyable. So Jesse Bates is one of those dudes, man. He's, he's, he's just a stand-up, righteous guy. And you always love to hear from people who are unafraid of adversity, who don't run from it, but will run to it to try and take it on and, and conquer it. So props to him, and I look forward to hopefully um, – his continued success and the success hopefully he can turn the help turn the Bengals around so that they can have some success. I love hearing that, Jim, because you know, so many times guys after three years are like, this is a hopeless organization. Right. I want out. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the in the NBA people talk about building the super teams, guys not want to see teams, you know, kind of build the program up to the next level. And you know, the fact that he said, Hey, I, I want to be here in Cincinnati and be here when it turns around. I, I, I just love hearing that. And I, and I think the biggest example of what he said about what it does for a whole city is on the opposite side of the state, and that's the Cleveland Browns, who are 9-3 and three after putting their foot all the way up in the Titans Sunday. 9-3, and three. Jim. This was the laughing stock of the NFL forever. We're not saying, you know, hey – they're going to win the Super Bowl or they're going to be on top for the next 20 years. They've got the makings to be really good for a long time. But the fact that Baker Mayfield looks good and the thing is, hey, when everything's working well around Baker, as we saw Sunday, he's that dude. And the fact that they've got this defense and a guy we we, have, we don't talk about enough is Joe Woods, their defensive coordinator coming over from the Niners, what mm -hmm. he's done there in partnership with Kevin Stefanski on the offensive side. They've got some stability there, and and Jim, this is a dangerous-looking football team. And some people say, I think our guy Damian Woody from ESPN said the best offseason pickup, Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach. Oh, no question, talented coach. But look, when you can run the ball, when you have a Nick Chubb and you have a Kareem Hunt, who I think people forget was a, a rushing champion as a rookie, NFL rushing champion as a rookie. When you can run the ball that way, it takes a lot of pressure off of Baker Mayfield in that passing game, and it makes that play-action pass so much more effective as we saw yesterday. So, and here's my thing about the Browns, Steve. Um, as you talk about, you know, when we talk about laughing stocks and whatnot, if there is any fan base in the NFL that deserves a winner because oh, it is God. so loyal, it is the Cleveland Browns fan base. And so, from that standpoint. The only thing I hate about this is that it's happening in a COVID year where the fans can't be there to enjoy it. Because, as you know, when that team's going right, that fan base is that stadium is unbelievable. So um, that's the only disappointment for me in, in what the Browns are doing. But as you say, they're built 
right now to have lasting success. So I don't think that this will be a, a one and done type thing in terms of, of success in a season. Jim, even when the Cavs and LeBron were winning, you know, championships there, most people couldn't wait for football season to come around. It is football yep. country up in Ohio. I mean, and the yep. best way to tell that is if you go to an ordinary gym, I, I, gym this is the only place, because I'm in the gym a lot, where you go into the only state I have been to where they've got dumbbells that go up to like 160 pounds because you got a bunch of cats in there <laughs> who can throw some iron around. I was like, see, these cats are all about their football here in Ohio. I went to a gym in Berea and was like, good Lord, these cats throw weight around like this? <laughs> I, I don't even know how to respond to a 160-pound dumbbell, you know? I was uh, like, where they make these? <laughs> nah, bro. I'm 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 at that age where give me body weight and I'm good. So body weight bands. Let's stay flexible. Yes, yes sir. <laughs> that yo that yoga, some Pilates, you know that sort of thing. 160 pound dumbbells. Man, nah, nah. But and real quick on the Browns, we teased it last week, but there was a conflict. But Browns general manager Andrew Barry will be joining us later this week for Huddle and Flow podcast. It is going to drop on Thursday. We're going to talk about. Some of the things they did to build this team, diversity, um, hirings, firings, development in the Browns organization and throughout the NFL. So we'll have a lot of ground to cover with Andrew Berry, one of the smartest uh, guys, Jim, I think you and I have talked to in the NFL, one of the two black general managers um, in the NFL. So we look forward to having him on. And also, Jim, on the issue of, of, of talented players trying to turn programs around, we want to give a quick shout out to our Howard brethren, Jay Skywalker, the quarterback, Antoine Bethay, and the total of seven, Howard Bison, who made the all MEAC football team. So shout out to our HU. You know. Right there. You know it. You know. All right. Well, Jim, that'll do it for this episode of the Huddle and Flow. Please make sure Thursday, again, come check back in for Andrew Barry. Thursday's going to be hot, Steve. So, folks. We appreciate you listening. Um, Leave us a comment. Let us know uh, what we can do for you, uh, because that way we can give you more of what you're funking for. For Jim Trotter Jr. I'm sorry, James Trotter Jr. The third Thomas Warren. I'm Steve White. We are the Howard Mob and we are out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 